All right, good morning, church. Four of you said good morning back. Good morning, church. Come on, can we thank Jesus for his presence this morning? Come on. And I'm telling you, the Lord is here, and uh, I know he has a message for us. We're actually going to conclude a teaching series that we've been in called Built for War. Uh, I thought we were going to start a Christmas series, and the Lord said, no, I've got one more message for you to preach in this series. And the title of my message is called, The Devil Didn't Make Me Do It. Come on, somebody. The devil didn't make me do it. Look to the person beside you and just say, hey, the devil didn't make you do that. Come on, tell them, the devil did not make you do that. Uh, but before we dive into the word, I want to take just a minute to reiterate something very important that you heard in the video announcements, and that is what we call our Forward Christmas offering. If you have been with the church uh, very long, you know that we don't talk about money very often. Um, we actually don't pass a plate or a bucket, and that's not a statement against churches that do. But the Lord told me a long time ago before we ever planted the church, he said this, if you never manipulate for money, I will never stop providing for Vertical Chapel. And guess what? Over the last almost nine years now, God has been ever faithful. Amen. Through the generosity of those that call this place home, and uh, we've always worked really hard to uh, be good stewards of God's resources. And um, so what this Ford Christmas offering is, is it's an opportunity, it's really an invitation that God gives us as a church family to sow above and beyond our tithe. And a long time ago, many years ago, the Lord asked me to do that and so that we would have ready resources set aside so that when God opened up a door and said, hey, purchase this piece of land or, or build this building, we wouldn't have to go to you and go, hey, we got to come up with money, but we would already have a good seed in place. And God's been so faithful with that seed. And so what most of you don't know is that we actually purchased this building and check it out, y'all. We didn't just get to purchase it. We got to purchase it well below market value. How many of you know only God could do that? And uh, But we're growing as a church. And so oftentimes uh, for a Christmas offering, we put that money aside and then we begin to ask God, okay, what are we supposed to sow into? We don't have to ask him anymore because he has shown us what our next steps are. And so we know that God is saying you need to make more room for more people. We are growing. We are bursting out of the seams. How many of you know that's a great problem to have? Amen. And, uh, but we want to make room. And so we plan to go to three services, Feb uh, uh, February, sorry, February 1st, Sunday, uh, February 5th. And, uh, but we know that's not a sustainable pace long-term. And so that is the short-term goal. And that's going to buy us time to do what we're calling our phase one build out. And so our V Kids area, kids are busting at the seams. Uh, we're almost at capacity in many of those classrooms. And we need to make room for the next generation. Amen. And so we're going to build uh, more kids' space. We're also going to, within our existing blueprint here, we're going to be able to get this room with some balcony seating and just some changes that we need to make up. We're going to get to about 700 people a service in this. So the goal is once we get 
through phase one, we'll be able to go back down to two services. But when you begin to change occupancy, um, there are code issues and all of that. And so we have to increase parking. And there's just kind of a domino effect. If those of you that are in the building world, you understand what I'm talking about. And so here's the deal. Um, we're going to enter into, in January, a capital giving campaign. But what the Ford Christmas offering is, it's really a first fruits offering. This is for us to be able to start with breaking ground in the next steps. And I'm thankful for Pastor Jesus, who is a architect by trade and is working on all of these details. Come on, you can honor him a lot better than that. Thank you. And so... There will be a website that's going to be available to you very soon. It's going to have renderings on what all the new spaces are going to look like and then a breakdown of our financial need and goal. So why do I bring it up today? Just to get you to start praying. Listen, I'll never ask you to give anything. I unapologetically ask you to ask God what he wants you to sow. And how many of you know we don't have to? We get to. And we were the recipients of the greatest gift ever given, who is Jesus Christ. Come on. And it is the joy and privilege of our lives to live generous lives so that more people can know God, experience freedom, discover purpose, and live on mission. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. God is good. All right, grab your Bibles, and we're going to pray, and we're going to dive into the Word today. Like I said, I know God's got a Word for us. I want to encourage you to get your heart right before the Lord. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that name has all weight and authority. It is the name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue in heaven and on earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you for your word. Come on, church, tell them. We thank you for your word. We know it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You tell us, God, that when we don't just hear it, when we heed it and we obey it, it begins to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We could pray all day long, Father, receive the glory. Your word tells us how you receive glory by making us like Jesus, that we would bear much fruit, that the Father would receive all the glory. So have your way in us. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and all God's people said amen. One more time. Give Jesus the best praise you've given him. Come on, church, online. Praise God. The devil didn't make me do it. Come on, the devil didn't make me do it. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and in these verses... James actually teaches you and me how to stand strong in the battle when it comes to temptation. Temptation. Somebody say temptation. temptation. Temptation faces us all. The question is, what do we do when that temptation comes? And so if you have your Bibles, turn there. We're going to read it and then break it down together starting in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to flesh." 
This is a lot, but James is helping us understand. He's teaching us how to stand strong, how to stand in the victory of God when it comes to the area of temptation. So if you have your notes, I want you to write down this first point. If you weren't planning notes to take notes, come on, today is a good job to take notes. Here's the first thing we need to know. We need to acknowledge our flesh. James says, listen, if you want to stand strong in the spiritual battle, you got to get honest with your flesh that there is a part of you that wants things, that craves things, that desires things that are not aligned with God's will for your life. Look again at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Stop there for a second. This is why James would start here. This is why it's so important. Because there is often confusion that when you and I are being tempted with sin, that we could fall into the trap thinking that maybe God is tempting me. Maybe God is just seeing if I'm going to give in. Maybe God is just seeing if I'm going to bite that dangling carrot. But James wants us to understand that when we're tempted, we can't say I'm being tempted by God. Why? Because God cannot be tempted with evil. He doesn't use evil. He is opposed to evil. He is over evil. Amen? Why would James start here? Let me tell you why. Because if you and I think that God is the one tempting us to sin, then we will never turn to him for help. Listen, if I think that God is the problem, I will never view him as the solution. This is one of the traps of the enemy. If I think it's God leading me to a place of temptation to see whether or not I'm going to give in, guess what? I will never turn to him for help. Pay attention. God tests my faith, but he doesn't tempt me to sin. He will test your faith every day, every moment of every day, in every season, whether valley or mountain. Your faith will be tested, but he does not tempt us to sin. I need a better amen. So what happens then? Why do we face these temptations? Verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own evil desire. James goes, hey, it's not God. It's actually you. It's not God. Don't blame the enemy. There is an enemy inside of you, and it is your flesh. This is what I love about James. James goes, can we just get honest? Can we just go to church, put the stained glass window approach to church aside, and just realize that we are broken, messy people in need of Jesus every moment of every day? James goes, hey, I know you want to follow God. I know that you want to honor the Lord. I know there is a part of you that you want your life to glorify Jesus. You want your choices to glorify Jesus. But James goes, hey, you also can be honest enough. It's okay to acknowledge that there is another side of you. And that side of you craves things that are not of God. That side of you desires that word Desire means sinful craving. 
There are these cravings, these desires, this bending towards temptation, this enjoyment of sin. There is this part in you and this part in me that longs for the things of the flesh. And I guarantee you, when we hear flesh and when we hear sin, we think of the big things like murder, lying, stealing, adultery. Like we, we think of those big things. But how many of you know there's a lot of subtle sin? There's a lot of stuff that our flesh gravitates towards that if we're not careful, we can actually do it and not even think about it. I made a list. Here, here, here's one, making fun of others. Oh, glory to God. Come on, number two, dishonoring your parents. Parents, you're welcome. You're welcome in Jesus' name. Come on, students that say, I love the Lord, but I dishonor my parents. Listen, you prove your love for God by honoring your parents. Can I get an amen? What about getting even with my spouse? Woo, glory. Cheating on my taxes. Well, the government's corrupt. I mean, it's not a big deal. Not like I'm stealing from the church. It all belongs to the Lord, so you're stealing from him. Come on, somebody. What about belittling someone? What about flirting with someone? Just a little flirt. Just a little wink. Just a little playful moment. What about fantasizing about a life you don't have? Man, if I could just have that marriage off. Oh, if I just would have married her. If I just would have married him. Come on, if my marriage was like that, if I had that house, that car, those kids... What about giving somebody a guilt trip to get your way? I'm going to manipulate, manipulate. It's one of those words, I promise. We, we, we do this, and as we're doing it, as it happens, pay attention, we are tempted to say, hey, the devil made me do it. Well, I was having a bad day, and his temptation was just so strong. Can I just tell you, our God is stronger than any temptation the enemy can form against us. I need a good amen. amen. See, if I believe this lie and you believe this lie, three things happen. Number one, write it down. To believe that the enemy made me do it, it's to glorify Satan's power. It is to suggest that somehow Satan has more power over me than the power that God has given me. No, no, no. The Bible says all authority has been transferred to you to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the what? power of the evil one. Satan can't make you do anything. People can't make you do anything. Here's the second thing that it does. It disregards our free will. Well, if Satan made me do it, then I really didn't have the choice. I'm going to go deeper. Some of us, we live in sin and then we blame our parents from childhood. Come on, we're living in sin and brokenness and we blame that coach that said something that wasn't kind in the fourth grade. Listen, it's not that what they did wasn't wrong, but even the wrong they did does not have authority over you in Christ Jesus. God has given you free will. Here's the third one. It diminishes accountability. Why? Because if Satan made me do it, then I'm really not accountable for my decisions. Isn't this what happened in the garden church? Adam and Eve sinned. They hear God's voice, boom, their eyes are open, they're naked. What do they do? They take fig leaves 
They make for themselves coverings. Pay attention. It's a spiritual picture of how you and I often handle sin. We just try to cover it up. We just try to keep it concealed. Let me tell you, a fig leaf won't fix the problem. And you know what we do when we get the fig leaf? I get to go from violator to victim. Isn't this what Adam did? God goes, hey, did you eat of the tree? God, the woman, she's jacked up. She took it, gave it to me. We wouldn't be in this mess if it weren't for her and God. I know I'm blaming her, but I'm also kind of blaming you because you created her. Come on, somebody. This is what we do. And if I get to play the victim, there's no accountability for my decisions. It's a fig leaf church. And it will not, it cannot, even on our best efforts, fix the problem. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 41, pay attention, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Notice this, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus goes, there is a part of you, the spirit part of you, you want to glorify God. God, I, I want to make choices that honor you. I want to make choices that glorify you. But then there's another part of me. And that part of me gives in really quickly. It's weak. It doesn't have self-control. It wants to be gratified immediately. It wants immediate pleasure, immediate satisfaction. James says if you want to stand in the victory, when it comes to temptation, then you've got to get honest about your flesh. Here's the second thing. We need to deal with temptation. Church, as you're writing it down, can I remind you, it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing entirely to deal with it. It's one thing to confess your sin. It's another thing to renounce it. It's one thing to be convicted in a moment, God, I know this shouldn't be in my life. It's another thing to be in that place and then to get to the place where you say, God, I turn. I do it your way. I need, it got quiet in here. I need a better amen. amen. Look again at verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. Say lured and enticed. Lured and enticed. I need at least more than six and a half of you to say that out loud. Come on, say lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it has conceived. It gives birth to sin, pay attention, and sin when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. You know what I love about James? James is the half-brother of Jesus, and James mentions Jesus less than any other New Testament writers, yet he teaches more like Jesus than any other New Testament writer. And what makes him so similar in style and approach is that he's really good with word pictures. He's good with imagery. And in these two verses, James actually gives us two word pictures. In verse 15, there's a word picture. And then in verse 14, there's a word picture. I want to start in verse 15. He says, sin when it has conceived. Come on, say conceived. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. What is the image? You ready for it? 
Conception, pregnancy, delivery. Conception, pregnancy, delivery. That what gets deposited will produce a harvest. And that harvest will come forth. This is what James is doing. James wants me to understand, James wants you to understand that there is consequence for our sin. There is consequence for our decisions. He who sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. He who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. There is a consequence. Listen, you know what the enemy will try to tell you? There's no consequence. You want to know why we often believe it? Because we make the decision and we don't see the birthing right away. You want to know why? Because it takes a little while. It takes a little while. Well, I haven't seen anything get birthed, so we're good. No, it's just growing. And when it reaches full term, it's going to bring forth death. Why? Because the result of sin is what? No, say it like you're sure. The result of sin is what? It's death. Verse 15, that's the picture. What's the picture in verse 14? You ready for it? Fishing. Fishing. Lured and enticed. Even if you don't like to fish, we all understand the basic principle of fishing. You need, at bare minimum, line, You need a hook. The goal is to entice the fish to bite the hook, but in order to entice the fish, you need bait. And a fisher does what? Make sure he gets the right bait. Dangles that hook just enough, just tries to entice, hoping, just hoping, that fish will have a moment of weakness. And whether out of hunger or frustration, will bite the hook. Church, this is exactly how the enemy works with our flesh. See, my lure's not your lure. Your lure's not my lure. All of us may have different lures, but you know what we share in common? We're all enticed by the one that's fitted for our flesh. And he dangles it, just hoping for a moment of weakness, hoping for a moment of isolation, hoping for a moment of compromise. If I can just entice you, that word entice means to lead on, to excite hope or desire, to awake or attract, to offer pleasure or advantage. Isn't that what the enemy does with sin, temptation? It's going to give you pleasure and an advantage. No, it will give you temporary pleasure, but it will come with harsh harsh consequences because the enemy doesn't want you to know, yeah, it might satisfy you for a moment. He knows if I can just dangle it long enough, if I can just awaken something in you, if I can promise pleasure, an advantage. The more I entice you, the more likely you are to bite the hook. Church, I want you to write this down. The most dangerous temptation in your life is the one you entertain. 
the most dangerous temptation in your life is the one that you will not deal with. The one that you keep around and keep telling yourself in your own strength that you won't fall into it. The one that you say, hey, it's not really a big issue, I'm doing better. God would go, if you were doing really well, you would take authority over that thing in Jesus' name. Amen? How many of you need some good news? Let me try over here. How many of you need some good news? Okay, here's what I love about God. God loves us enough to tell us the bad news, but God loves us so much, so fully, that he doesn't just tell us the bad news, he gives us the good news. How many of you are thankful that God doesn't just point out the problem, he himself is the solution, amen? Come on, if you're going to praise him, praise him, church. Here's the good news, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, and God is faithful. God is faithful. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is faithful. On Monday morning, when your flesh is strong, he is faithful. When your spouse does something that irritates you, he is faithful. When you think your kids are going nuts, faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when, not if. Oh man, temptation coming. It ain't waiting till Monday, y'all. It's going to meet you at lunchtime. You're welcome. Hey, when? He will also provide. Oh, he's Jehovah Jireh. He doesn't just provide money. I mean, he provides strength. He provides mercy. He provides grace. He provides wisdom. He provides joy. He provides peace. He satisfies my soul. He's the only one that can fulfill me. When the temptation comes, he'll provide a way out so that we can endure it. You want to know what the way out is? It's him. Here's the deal. He'll never force you across the threshold. When temptation comes, you need to choose him. This is another reason I can't blame Satan. I can't blame my parents. I can't blame that coach. I can't blame that teacher. I can't blame that sibling. I can't blame that boss. I can't blame that friend. All of that stuff can be jacked up and cause hurt, and Jesus is faithful to heal it. But I cannot use my hurt as an excuse to live in sin. Let me try it here. I cannot use my hurt as an excuse to live in sin. If you're with me, come on and give God some praise. So when it comes to temptation, I do need a promise when it comes to temptation, I need provision, but there's another P I need. It's protection. What did Jesus pray? Protect me from the evil one. I need God's protection. 
So I'm going to give you some protection. Here's the deal. Oftentimes, we're dealing with temptation, and we're going, God, when are you going to bring protection? That's not how it works. God goes, no, listen to me. My word gives you protection. You got to live out the principles of my word so that you can live in the faithfulness of my protection. Can I get an amen? Amen. So three things, non-negotiable, we need this for protection. Number one, healthy convictions. What's a conviction? I know what's right. I know what's wrong. It's not a gray issue. I know what the word of God says. I know that's wrong. I will not do that because that is not in keeping with a Christ. Am I preaching to anybody that cares? Like I, I am convicted. I know I have been convinced of what is true. I'm going to stand in agreement with the word of God. Here's the second thing I need. I need healthy boundaries. Listen to me. If I'm a recovering alcoholic, I'm not going to go to a bar. I'm not going to hang out with people who are getting hammered all the time. That's not a healthy boundary. Some of us, we've stepped beyond the boundary, and then we're saying, God, protect. God goes, no, no, no. The boundary is the protection. Don't go where you're not supposed to go and then ask me to give you what the boundary already provided you. That's what the boundary. Some people go, I don't like boundaries because all boundaries really do is they just change behavior. Yeah. Because it's convictions that change your heart. And if convictions change your heart, you'll change your boundaries. This is the biggest one. Healthy dependency. Oh, come on. Some of us, when it comes to the area of temptation, we keep telling God, I'll never do it again. Okay, God, this is the last time. Come on, anybody? Just me? When temptation comes, I'm just going to be real strong. I'm not going to give in. Some of you, you need to stop trying so hard, and you need to surrender to the Lord more fully. Here's why. Because if you try to withstand temptation in your strength, you will give into it every time. Because your strength is not enough. It is not by might nor by power. It is by the Spirit of God. I need a better amen. So, so look at what James says in chapter 4, verse 7. Submit, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look to your neighbor and say, the order matters. Look to the other person who didn't sing well during worship and just say, you better pay attention. You need to hear this. Come on, tell them. The, the, the order matters. Here, here's what we're often trying to do. I'm just, I start here. I'm going to resist. If I start with resist, I am starting in my own strength. If I'm starting in my own strength, I am powerless against the power of the enemy. I need God's strength. How do I get it? Submit myself to him. Listen, I'm not just submitting my sin. I'm submitting my life. Oh, some of us, we are good at submitting the sin. And we try to keep ourselves over here. God, I got this. You just take the junk. God goes, how about this? You give me you, I will take care of the junk, and I will free you from the junk, and you will be able to withstand the enemy, and he will flee from you. You want to know why he flees? Not because you resisted him. 
He flees because when he shows up, he realizes that you are operating in a power that is above him. It is the power of Jesus Christ to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the evil one. If you know this is truth, come on and give God praise. Church, if you don't deal with your temptation, your temptation will deal with you. And you'll be enticed. And you'll be brought into isolation with nothing to lead on then the strength that the Bible promises will fail you. Because it's your own. And you will bite the hook. And when you bite the hook, when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. You know what I love about God, though? Is that we don't have to be defined by our choices. Come on. When sin increases, how many of you know grace increases all the more? All I have to do is turn to him. That doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to have authority over me. I break it off right now in the name of Jesus. I come into agreement with the word of God. I submit myself to the authority of Christ so that I have the power to resist the devil. And he will flee from me. Come on, church. So we got to get real, acknowledge our flesh, deal with temptation. Here's the last and final. You need to walk in the spirit. Woo! You got to, this is, this is the how. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, this is the how. This is how we do what we've just been talking about. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, Paul goes, walk by the spirit. Come on, say walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against. Say against. Say it like you're excited to be in church. Say against. It's against the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Holy Spirit, they're against. Say against. The flesh. And they are opposed to each other. I love how simple the Bible is. Y'all, I'm not smart enough if it weren't simple. It's just simple. And we've got the Holy Spirit's instruction, amen? You want to know why there's this internal battle? Paul says, so that you don't do what you want. A.K.A., so that you don't let your flesh lead. See, the word against and opposed, it's really bad interpretation in the English. Let me tell you quite literally what it means. They're at war. It's a battle. You want to know why I bring it up? Because we can all relate. Because every moment of every day, if you're in Christ, you feel it. God, I want you to be honored. I want you to be glorified. But if I'm completely honest, there's a part of me that still wants things that aren't of you. God says, if you feel that, Here's why it's happening. So that you learn to walk in the Spirit and not allow those desires to be gratified. 
Several years ago, I asked the Lord, I need a picture. I need language. I don't know how to describe to people what it means to walk in the Spirit. I need you to show me what to say. And he showed me Jesus' baptism. Jesus came out of the water and the heavens part. And God the Father speaks from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But then what happens? The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes and lands on Jesus' shoulder. And the Lord told me, tell them that. And I thought, man, why a dove? A dove is the most skittish of birds. Any sudden movement spooks it. God, of any bird you could pick, why a dove? God started giving me revelation. I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine for a second there is a dove on your shoulder. Imagine it. And the objective is to walk with the dove. If the objective is to walk with this dove, then it would mean this, that every step I take is with the dove in mind. Every decision I make is with the dove in mind. What do I allow myself to think about is with the dove in mind. See, it's not about not spooking the dove. It's about intimacy with Jesus. Because this is to be my focus, Jesus. See, if we're not careful, we'll think that the whole point of the passage, the whole issue is James saying, hey, primary issue is temptation. The primary issue is your flesh. James says, let me tell you what the primary issue is. Is that you have two appetites. And the question is, which one will you feed? Because what you feed the most leads the most. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, if I'm intimately living with Christ, then He's satisfying my desires. And if He's satisfying my desires, pay attention and I don't need to go to other places for satisfaction. How do you deal with flesh? You starve it. How do you starve it? By feeding your spirit. My focus is not the temptation. My focus is Jesus. Jesus, it's the joy of my life to walk with you. It's the joy of my life to know you. Temptation doesn't have authority over me because the one I walk with has authority over all things. And I'm not doing it in my own strength. He supplies all the strength. He supplies all the wisdom. He provides the way. He's the way. And Jesus is satisfying you. You will lose your need to find satisfaction. 
I wrote down a whole bunch of application and I kept scratching it. I had 14 applications. This message was officially going to be four hours long. God said there's only one application that's needed. What if before we move into the rush of the Christmas season, what if the only thing we need today is to turn to God, humble ourselves, and let God do business? I'm going to have the worship team come up. Church, this moment is to be different than any moment that we've had in closing a service. I'm actually not even going to ask you to stand up. I want to create some space for you to sit with the Lord. As the worship team leads us, it's more than a song. It's a prayer. It's repentance. God, take my heart. I give it to you. Come on, how many of you know that God had a word for you today? Praise the Lord. Let's just sit in his presence. If you need to repent, repent. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you. But when you walk out these doors, come on, you're not walking out the same. You're in step with the Holy Spirit.